Good morning. You guys doing good? Me too. Uh, so this week was uh, an interesting week in the life of our campus. Uh, we did not close on Monday. Um, so there's two major pieces in this whole thing of, uh, of the campus from my perspective. One is closing, that we don't lose the deal. That it actually happens. And number two is oil tanks. Uh, because there's oil tanks on the property. And if you've ever sold a house or interact with a house that has oil tanks, uh, the oil tank's not the problem. But if the oil tank leaks and there's contamination, then when you go to sell that property, you have to pay for that to be cleaned up. So we've wanted to make sure that uh, there was not con contamination and make sure, really, we want the oil tanks out. And that's the only way for sure you can find out. And in this process, there's been several times, uh, first of all, we asked to take the oil tanks out and they said, they said no, no way. Um, created Im immense pressure uh, in the sense of, oh no, we're going to lose the deal. And this past week was... Uh, was an interesting week because they, they finally, they, one of the tanks failed a pressure test and so, but it didn't have contamination, but they did finally say, yes, you can take the oil tanks out, but they didn't give us the okay until like January 1st. So then you have to get permits and then have the, you have to actually get three permits to you apply and until you get the first two, you can't get the third one. And so... This, after we left church Sunday, right, I'm, I knew we weren't going to be able to sign on Monday because the, our loan hadn't come out of underwriting. And the week before, they'd been telling me, look, there's no problem. We're good. It just needs to come out of underwriting. So I'm good. Okay, I'm, I'm great. So this is good. It's going to work out. I'd given up on getting the oil tanks out. It just, there's no way timing wise we're going to be able to do that. And so... Uh, this past week, on uh, Monday, I was great. Tuesday, I was great. Because I figured if we got out of underwriting by Wednesday, we could close on Friday. Then I can come back and tell you that we've closed. Wednesday, I'm not great. The pressure starts to rise. And by Thursday, I'm trying, I'm writing emails and erasing them like crazy. You ever experienced that? Uh, better not send that one. Delete. Delete. Like, so you can feel the pressure rise. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I really have almost never experienced this before the campus. And that's this thing where your head, in the back of your head, like there's this pressure. It really does feel like it's going to explode. Like, like in, you, can't, you can't really control the pressure. Like it just is, seems to be there. You ever experienced that with your missions? So the campus is not our mission. It's not. I know that. But some years ago, and you've heard this over and over again, some years ago, God said, look, I want you to build a, a, a church based on love and grace in Bloomfield. And quite personally, I think I've shared this before, I, I pretty much gave up on the Bloomfield thing along the way. Um, I kept going because the church kept telling me, no, that's what God said. That's what, he's going to do that. And I, I really did honestly get to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to obey God, but I, I, don't, I don't know. So it's a, it's a really big part of the mission in that sense. And it also will help us to do what the mission is. It's going to help us 
It's going to set us up and give us this home and help us to do what we want to do, which is help people build lives worth living. So what I want you to do this morning is I want you to pick your mission. And we started a couple weeks ago. We said, how do you find out what your mission is? The most basic pieces to your mission are to love Jesus and to help other people find Jesus, show people who Jesus is. That's your basic mission. Now, if you're single, then your mission is there's some group of people, someone somewhere that you can impact and make a difference in. There's your career that you're trying to, to build. If you're married, you definitely have a mission really clear. It's this person that you're married to. If you're the guy, then it's to love them like Christ loves the church. If you're the lady, it's to respect and honor and trust them the way the church does. Clear-cut mission. If you have children, really clear mission. Like you can see the mission. You can see the person. Really clear. So I find that missions, when I first get them, are incredibly exciting. I am so excited about the mission. I can see it happening. I know it's going to take a lot of work, but I can see it happening. It's great. I'm really excited about the mission. But my goodness, the pressure that comes, it can become like you have this weight around your neck. And instead of the mission being a delight, it's, it's hard. It's tough. So what I want you to do this morning is I want you to pick your mission. Pick it. It doesn't have to be the right one. And, and don't go down the, the road of, I don't know my mission. <laughs> I just mentioned enough of them. Pick one. All right? It's, it's, not, that, it's not a complicated thing. It's a clear, it's a clear piece. Pick it. Now, if you knew that you were going to succeed in this mission, it would be a delight. Helping people build lives worth living, helping people build their life on grace and watch God transform that life. Oh my goodness. I'll sign up any day, anywhere. I'll give everything I have to that. If I know it's going to succeed. It's an incredible mission. How about you? Sign up for that marriage. If you know that it's going to succeed, you're going to succeed at your mission. Is that worth giving your life to? Is that not a delight? Is that not something that pumps your heart up? Your children, is that something you go, yeah, man, I'd love that. If you knew you were going to succeed. But I think we found as we live life, it becomes a burden. It becomes hard. And we bear down. And today we're going to take a look at passage. We're going to take a look at what Jesus has to say about this. Because he really hits this head on. It's really cool what he says. And we're going to answer this question. How do I, how do I help, how do I interact with my mission so it's a delight instead of this burden in my life? We're going to start in Matthew 5, 5 where it says, Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Another way to say this is, blessed are the meek, for they will accomplish their mission. Blessed are the meek, for they will accomplish their mission. Now, in the world, it says, blessed are the powerful, for they will accomplish their mission. Blessed are the qualified, the talented, the cocky, the confident. Because they will accomplish their mission. 
pop culture, Disney, any of the latest pop culture singers, just believe, baby. Athletes, just believe. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Every Super Bowl. Why did you win? Because we believed. So the team on the other side that lost, they didn't believe? Yes, they did. They believed just as much as you believed. This idea that the wisest, smartest, most attractive people win. That's how you, the Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. He goes on to explain it clearer as we uh, move in later in the book. And he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, specifically talking about what we're talking about. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. This morning, guys, I'm not talking about sin at all. It's not on the plate. We're not, I'm not talking about being, you being weary because of, because of sin. I'm talking about us being weary because there's a mission that God has given us or we believe that we have for our lives, and it's become a burden, and I'm tired. I don't know how I'm tired, and, and I'm burdened. And then he says, I will give you rest. Can you imagine living your life from a place of rest? And take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. To operate from a place where your soul is at rest. Do you not find that sentence kind of the opposite of your life? Do we not live in New Jersey? And are New Jerseyans not known for the fact that they're forever busy? They're forever, they have more things to do than what they have time to do. It's this constant fight and battle. I mean, the exact opposite of rest for your souls. Do you think you'd do a better job at the mission if you had rest for your soul, if you operated from a place of rest? Would you be a better husband if you were operating from a place of rest instead of always competing, fighting? Would you be a better wife if you operated from a place of rest instead of a place of unrest? Like, I've got to fix things. Things aren't right. Things aren't right. Things aren't right. I've got to fix them. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is all about rest. What we're going to talk about today is really all about rest. The message I got from this book, uh, it's called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. If you don't have the book, get the book. Look how thick it is. I only recommend books that are thin, right? Because 50% of you go, I'm not, I'm not a reader. Okay, here's your book. Got it? I do have to warn you though. It is so alive that you can only read about two or three pages and it just makes you start thinking and interacting in such a way that you set it down and then pick it up again the next day. It's, really, it's a really good book. 
And this is what he has to say about this passage a little bit about what we're talking about. He says, here we have two things standing in contrast to each other, a burden and a rest. The burden is not a local one peculiar to those first hearers, but one which is born by the whole human race. It consists not of political oppression or poverty or hard work. It is far deeper than that. It is felt by the rich as well as the poor. For it is something from which the wealth and idleness can never, can never deliver us. The burden borne by mankind is a heavy and crushing thing. The word Jesus used means a, lo- a load carried or toil borne at the point of exhaustion. Rest is simply release from that burden. It is not something we do. It is what comes to us when we cease to do. His own meekness, that is rest. This, this is going to make perfect sense to you. You've all experienced it. Like, I am so tired. I'm so exhausted. I've been working so hard. Went through Christmas. I did all that. I just need some rest. So you put it on the calendar and you do it a weekend away. This is not, you're not going to the islands yet. You're just going to do a weekend away, right? So you get in your car and you drive. And about the time you hit the Pennsylvania line, feel better. I just feel better. And you drive and you go stay at a hotel or a bed and breakfast or someplace that you love. And it's great, man. You have a great weekend. You are so rested. It's awesome. You can't wait to get back. You're driving back and you hit the Pennsylvania line. What happens? It comes right back, doesn't it? That rest does not last. That's not the rest we're talking about. I go to the islands for a week or two. You can go for a month. It doesn't matter how long you go. This cruise was incredible. It doesn't matter. Because if you don't have rest for your soul, you're not going to find it by resting physically. As a matter of fact, it's almost impossible to work so hard physically you become exhausted. It's almost impossible. What do you mean? You actually get in better shape when you work hard physically. It's this stress, it's this pressure that makes you exhausted. The pressure and the exhaust or, or exhaustion doesn't actually come from the outside, guys. Let us examine our burden. It is altogether an interior one. It attacks the heart and the mind and reaches the body only from within. First, there is the burden of pride. The labor of self-love is a heavy one indeed. Think for yourself whether whether much of your sorrow has not arisen from someone speaking slightingly of you. As long as you set yourself up as a little God to which you must be loyal, there will be those who will delight to offer affront to your idol. How then can you hope to have inward peace? The heart's fierce effort to protect itself from every slight, but to shield its touchy honor from the bad opinion of friend and enemy will never, will never let the mind have rest. Continue this fight through the years, and the burden will become intolerable. 
Yet the sons of earth are carrying this burden continually, challenging every word spoken against them, cringing under every criticism, smarting under every fancied slight, tossing sleepless if another is preferred before them. For many of you, I just described your marriage. That's your marriage. For others of you, this is your parenting experience. You look at your mission as though it defines who you are because of pride. You look at the mission as though the mission is there to lift you up, to prove something about you. What, what, what do I mean by that? Well, this is what I mean by that. In this process with the campus, multiple times I have prayed and asked God if he would just give me this next thing, I'd be okay. If we can just get them to accept our offer, I'll be okay. In that process, man, my head just about blew up, waiting for them to answer. And I had peace for about 48 hours. And then comes the oil tanks. And then comes the loan. And then comes, and then comes, and then comes. You see, oftentimes when we get in these situations, we pray and we ask God to change our circumstances from the outside so that we can have peace on the inside. It doesn't work. It doesn't create peace. It creates a false sense of, I have accomplished something. And this week, God does this to me quite often. Quite often, he will take me through an instance to help to prepare me for the message. It's a painful process, but he does it quite often. And many times you guys say, how do you know what I needed? You don't know. That that week, that's what I was struggling with. And I came to talk, and I came to talk to you about it. It literally works this way. This actually happens. I plan the messages out about a year ahead of time. And then God sets his calendar. So about two weeks before that message, that trouble comes into my life. I'm not kidding you. That's what happens. That's what happened this time. So this week I'm talking to myself when the pressure is rising. I'm, I'm trying to recognize the voice that is creating this pressure. And the voice is this. I cannot go back to those people and tell them we lost this building, this, this campus. I can't do it. I cannot do God, I cannot do that. Now, do you think that's because I care about you guys? You're wrong. Just because of my pride. Number two, God, the pressure it takes to take, make sure everything happens and happens okay, setting up and tearing down, all the things that can go wrong, I'm tired of it, God. I'm just tired of it. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Where do you think that comes from? Pride. Self-seeking. And God, this is, this is the whole mission. Like, it all falls apart. If we don't get this campus, then it's all over. It's done. It's, where's that come from? Pride. If, if we close this campus and I can, we can get this campus, people are going to think I'm a great leader. If we lose this thing, they're going to know the truth. 
I'm not a great leader. Does that make sense? Does it relate to the same experiences you're having, right? Pride. The second one, I, 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 I got to keep reading. Such a burden as this is not necessary to bear. Jesus calls us to his rest. And meekness is his method. The meek man cares not at all who is greater than he. For he has long ago decided that the esteem of the world is not worth the effort. He develops toward himself a kindly sense of humor and learns to say, Oh, so you've been overlooked. They have placed someone else before you. They have whispered that you are pretty small stuff after all. And now you feel hurt because the world is saying about you the very things you've been saying about yourself. What do you mean? See, when you come to Christ, when Christ invites you into his life, when you come to Christ, you come to Christ and you bring to him what? Your greatness? Your goodness? No. You bring your sin. You bring who you really are. Because you know it and I know it. Maybe you don't know it, but I know it. I know what my sin is. I know that if I got what I want, the way I wanted it, the when, when I wanted it, it's all about me. I know that. I know that honestly, without Jesus, there really is no good thing in me. So where does this pride come from? It's a lie. It's a total lie. And when we came to Christ, we said, oh, you think I'm that bad? You have no idea. It's worse than that. Oh, you're cutting me down. You think that's funny. Okay, it is funny. But I'm worse than that. You didn't hurt me. You didn't say something against me. You didn't, you didn't cause me to buckle because you said something I didn't know or I didn't want people to know. I already know that's true. That then you don't have to bear all this burden. I don't have to bear all this pressure. If at the beginning of the week and the middle of the week, I can say, wait a minute. I didn't have anything to start with. I'm not here to prove I'm a great leader. I'm not here to prove anything. I'm here because Jesus has invited me to be a part of his mission. I get to be a part of his mission. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his mortal life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he, he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, paradoxically, that means the opposite. He knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God, a more, he is more important than the angels, in, him, in himself nothing, in God everything. That, his, that, that is his motto. He knows well that the world will never see him as God sees him. But this week I wanted you not to see me as God sees me. I wanted you to see me as great on my own. 
Now, I might say it, but when all that pressure's going on and my head's about ready to blow up, it's because I want you to think I'm great outside of Jesus. I want you to think that Jesus gave us a mission and the hero is going to make it happen. This is so deep in my heart that I feel it without thinking it. Does, does that make sense to you? I'm not saying it to myself over and over again where I can hear it. But my heart's saying it. It's saying it. And it's deep. It's so deep that it puts this incredible pressure in my life. That is his motto. He knows well that the world will never see him as God sees him. And he has stopped caring. He rests perfectly content to allow God to place his own values he will be patient to wait for the day when everything will get its own price and price tag and real worth will become its own. What's that mean? That means one day in heaven, Jesus will be revealed and all of his glory will be revealed. And because I belong to Jesus, I'm going to be shown to be incredibly valuable but only because of what he has done in my life and is doing in me. It's a value way beyond anything your pride wants. It's beyond anything you can imagine. Then the righteous shall shine forth in the kingdom of their father. He is willing to wait for that day. In the meantime, we, he will have attained, talking about the person who's got his faith in Christ, he will have attained a place of soul rest, as he walks on in meekness, he will be happy to let God defend him. The old struggle to defend himself is over. He has found the peace which meekness brings. I want you to watch this video. And as you do, I want you to think about what you would feel like. The emotion that you would have, the conversation that you would have with yourself if you were in this situation, this is a boxer who had been famous at one time, and now he's lost everything. And he's gone back to the people who used to promote him, used to make money off of him, and uh, here's his situation. The thing is, I can't afford to, uh, I can't afford to pay the heat. I've had to farm out my kids. You know, to keep cutting shifts down at the docks, and. You just don't get picked every day. I sold everything I got that anybody would buy. <laughs> I went on public assistance. I signed on at the relief office. They gave me $19. I need another $18.38 so I can pay the bill and get the kids back. know me well enough to know if I had anywhere else to go, I wouldn't be here. If you could help me through this time, I sure would be grateful. Sure, Jim. Sure.
Good luck. Jim. Hey, Jimmy. that feel like so you tend to think okay I need to get my pride under control no you can't it's it's not that Jesus got his pride under control it's that he didn't have any he didn't he didn't use the currency of pride he didn't live in that world he didn't live in the fleshly world he didn't live in the world of, this is how you win. He lived entirely in the spirit. And then he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I and you will find rest for your souls. <clears throat> you actually know what it's like to interact with Jesus from your spirit. When you were five, there was conversations you had with Jesus and you talked to him from your spirit. Throughout your life, you've done this. Times when you're like, okay, there's someone out there, there's something out there that doesn't have anything to do with what we see around here that's bigger than this. And you've, you've talked to him. And this picture is that there's a yoke. A yoke is this, kind of looks like that one oxen puts his head through here and what they would do is they would take the older more experienced oxen and they would put a younger oxen with him and when they did the younger oxen had no responsibility for the mission 
it only had the responsibility of learning from the older one. So the older one would push. And then the younger one would trust the older one and learn from the older one and follow the older one. And over time, they come to work together. Jesus invites you to stick your head in that hole. Which means, it's not, you don't get your pride under control. You're not going to operate from there. You're not going to operate from your flesh. You're not going to operate from, I need to be important. You are going to, on a day-to-day basis, have a heart-to-heart with Jesus every day. A time and a place where you're going to come to Jesus, you're going to say, Jesus, I want to live my life today by grace. I don't deserve anything that you give me today. I don't deserve to be a part of your mission. I don't deserve your forgiveness and this incredible life you have for me. But I'll I'll accept it as a gift from you. And Jesus, I'm going to share my heart with you. I'm afraid of this and I'm I'm proud of this and I'm you're going to share it and you're going to pour it out and you're going to be able to go, Jesus, I don't want to live from there. I want to live from you. And you're going to listen to him every day. Secondly, during that day, you're going to trust God for the long term by obeying for the moment. When the pressure rises, you automatically want to defend and yell and lie and cheat and scream or go take drugs or some way that destroys the mission. How many of you are so upset about your marriage, but in fact, you're destroying it? Why? Because in the moment you trust yourself and your pride. Uh, Go to his rest. Put your head in the yoke and put the results in his hands. And lastly, regularly seek the wisdom and the support of your Skyline family. Don't walk alone. Get in a life group. Develop a relationship with somebody who is wise and who has their head in the yoke and you're watching them follow Jesus. Don't walk alone. So, on Thursday, we got the call that uh, two of the permits had come in. And on Thursday, we got the call that the loan had come out of underwriting and they would be able to close by Wednesday of this week. I called the lawyer. The lawyer said, uh, why don't we set it up for Friday? And on Friday, I went back down to the town and I said, they said, two of them are in. Is there any way we can speed up the other one? And through a number of conversations, I found out all three of them were in. It really is amazing. On Tuesday, the oil tanks come out. On Friday, we're, we're closing on that thing. But I spent hours 
wasting time. I spent hours not working on the mission, but worrying about the campus. Man, I don't want to live like that. And we don't have to live like that. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but I bet you you're working on a mission from the point of your pride. Today, as we sing this song, I invite you to meet with Jesus. Say, look, Jesus, I I don't care about this world. I don't care about these things. I want to put my head in that yoke. I want to trust you. It's your mission, Jesus. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his mission. Accept he's God. Get out of the pride business and get into the rest business.